0: Yo, what's up, guys? You're now listening to the Wild Youth Podcast. Would you just close your eyes? I just want to say a prayer for us as we get started tonight. God, I thank you for the privilege that it is to get to come into your house, to get to worship you, be with other believers, and we all get to worship together, God. And we're not, we're not afraid of, of being murdered, of being killed here for coming into a church, for coming into this building. God, there are those that do have that fear every day, and I just pray for protection over them. I pray for strength over them, wherever they are, God. I pray for encouragement now, even as we're praying. But God, I want to pray over anyone in here tonight who needs, needs more strength to live for you. They're facing some adversity. They're facing some questions, some doubt some rough situations in life, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would strengthen them right now, that they would feel a fresh breath come over them, that they would feel a fresh peace and just a rejuvenation of, of your strength and your power. God, I thank you for, for moving in our lives, for moving in this youth group. I thank you for, for it being your power and your words that change lives. God, I just pray that we would have ears to hear what you have to say tonight. God, move like only you can move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. If you're thankful, if you love him, God is good. Well, welcome to the wild. How did you guys like your small group time? Fun, yeah? Awesome. Our group played a pretty loud game of catchphrase. So I apologize to any of the groups that were next to us. We got a little bit rowdy, but it was fun. So if if tonight is your first time, my name is Connor. I'm the youth pastor here. Hi. And I am so happy that you are here. I hope that you've already got plugged in, that you've already been meeting people, that you already feel loved because you are so loved. You're loved by God and you're loved by us. We're a family and we want to bring people in. We want to be encouraging. That's where we're here to be. And let that be a reminder to all of us, right? We're here to, to lean on each other when we need to. And we're also here to laugh with each other, which is why we like to have fun. So, you're joining us in week two of our series on discipleship called Are You a Fan or a Disciple? So, if you have your Bible open up to the book of Mark... If you flip to the New Testament and it goes Matthew, Mark. So you only got two books in. And we're gonna start in chapter one and verse 16. If you don't have a Bible, we will have it on the screen. But if you don't have one and you want one, find someone that's wearing this lanyard. That means that they're a leader and we will get you a Bible before you leave tonight. We want you to have the Bible so you can read it at home. All right, chapter one of verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, everyone say immediately. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately, say immediately, immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Go ahead and high-five your neighbors, as you take your seat. High five, yeah. Raise your hand if you've ever had your parents set you up with a friend. I'm talking like just a friend, not like someone who could potentially be a boyfriend or girlfriend, but a friend. Okay, some of you. Okay, put, put your hands down. So my mom did that to me once. Guess how old I was. <laughs> okay, okay. I was a sophomore in college. A sophomore in college, I would have been 20? So if you said 20, you win. Awesome. I don't have a prize for you, but good job. Hi. Thumbs up. A or five, if you guessed 20. I was a sophomore in college, so yes, it still happens even after you graduate. After you turn 18, your parents don't all of a sudden stop caring about you or stop worrying about you. So expect that that's going to happen. Be grateful that they care. But my mom did this to me, and the girl's name was Tori. So she told me about Tori one day, and my natural response was like, yeah, cool, Mom. And I just carried on, right? Because in my head, I was like, what do you, like, what do you want me to do here? Our families went to the same church But I was in college, I was at UNI, she also went to UNI, which was awesome. But I was like, do you want me to just show up at this girl's dorm room? Like, hey, so my mom told me about you, do you wanna be friends? Right, who would be down for doing that? Some of you. Okay, well, you're braver than I was as a sophomore in college. Because in my mind, that would be weird. It would be so weird. So one Sunday, when I was back home at church, my mom comes up to me and she goes, Hey, come with me. You're going to meet Tori. So I honored her and I followed her to meet this person. And she essentially set me up on a friend blind date without my knowledge and dragged me along to meet this girl that I had never met before. And yes, it was weird, it was very awkward. It was like we were being set up and it was weird because neither of us really wanted to be there. Have you been in that situation before? Yeah, you don't really want to be there. You're not really willing participants. And so neither of us extended an invitation of friendship, right? It wasn't our idea. We weren't really looking for it. But the funny thing was that once we were back at college, We actually met again through a mutual friend. And then we became really good friends. But what changed is that we were willing. We were desiring the friendship. We were participating in it. We were choosing to be friends. The disciples in the passage that we talked about at the start were willing and chose to follow Jesus. And these disciples were some of the twelve. So usually when we hear the word disciple, that's often what we're talking about, but it's often just what we assume, that it's one of the twelve that closely followed Jesus. So the difference between them and other disciples is that Jesus chose them, and they physically followed him. So the three years of ministry that Jesus had, they were with him wherever he went. They stayed wherever he stayed, and they learned from Jesus. Jesus chose them. And there are a couple of things that we can learn from the people that Jesus chose to be his 12 disciples. The first thing being that Jesus chose them because they were willing to be used by him. They were willing to be used by Jesus. Because he didn't choose them based on how smart they were. And some of them were smart, but not all of them. If you read the scriptures, there is a time where they're actually described, some of them, as uneducated and untrained. So some of them weren't super book smart, right? And some of us probably aren't super book smart. That would be me. Math was not my thing. Science, not my thing. I was not book smart, See, he wasn't looking for someone to meet a specific education level, like a high school diploma, a master's degree, a doctorate, right? He was looking for someone that was willing to be used, someone that wanted to learn, that wanted to be molded by him. And he didn't choose them based on their their social status. He wasn't only looking for rich people. He wasn't only looking for poor people. He wasn't even looking for people that were just well-liked by their community. Like if you, if you di- dive into who the disciples were, you'll see that some of them were actually like, kind of hated. Some of them had professions that people just loathed. They didn't like them. They thought that they were dirty. They thought that they would steal from people, right? They would see them walking, and they'd probably spit at the ground. Like That's rough. And Jesus chose some of them to be his disciples because they were willing to be used. He didn't even choose them based on their position in the church. In fact, if you look at all of the disciples, none of them were scribes or religious leaders before following Jesus. A.K.A. none of them were like pastors in a church Some of them probably were never even in a small group where you would study the Word of God. See, they were willing to leave everything behind and follow Him, and those were the people that Jesus chose. And they were willing to follow Him with no promise other than that He was going to make them fishers of men. They probably didn't even know what that meant but they chose him. See, they weren't promised fame, they weren't promised glory, other than the glory that came simply from serving and following Jesus. Because we know that all the glory is his already, right? The glory is never ours. And for some others who actually asked to follow Jesus, this wasn't enough. In Mark 10, I want to read you this, these couple of exchanges that people have with Jesus. Because there were people who asked to be a disciple of Jesus, and he kind of countered them and posed some questions to them. So we're going to start with this one in Mark 10. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? and then come and follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You may know that story as the rich young ruler. But notice how Jesus didn't say no. Even though Jesus knew his heart, he didn't just come out and say, no, you can't follow me. He simply pointed out what was holding the man back from completely, wholeheartedly following Jesus. See, the man was unwilling to give up his possessions, and so he walked away from Jesus. He wasn't willing to lay everything that he had down. Matthew 8. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now it's assumed that neither of these people followed Jesus either. Again, just like before, Jesus didn't just simply say no. But he gave them an honest truth about the life of a disciple and the cost of following him. He met them with honesty. To the first, it was as if Jesus was telling the man, look, this isn't going to be a glamorous life. So you see everything that's happening. You see all these people following me. You see these miracles that are happening. If you have it made up in your head that this is all just glamour and awesome, it's not. See, we're constantly on the move. We don't have a place to just call our home. Are you willing to give that up to follow me? If you're looking to follow me for for fame or simply the title of being a disciple, then your motive is wrong. The second man in the scripture, he wasn't saying that his, his father was already dead, right? That's what we would infer from what the scripture said, right? Because he said, let me go bury my father. Well, his father wasn't actually dead yet. He was probably sick. And what the, the disciple, the man that was coming to Jesus was actually saying was, look, I do want to follow you, but not right now. Now is not the time. Like, I need to take care of this first, and then I'll follow you. Let me do this one thing for an unknown amount of time, and then once that's done, yeah, I'll follow you. See, a truly willing disciple is ready now. And I know that there were times where I was in your shoes, and I I thought things like, well, for instance, when I have a job, then I'll tithe. Or when I get married and have a family, then I'll really dig into the scripture and then I'll really dig into his word because I'll need to know what it says then. No, as a disciple, we're ready now. We want to learn those things now. We want to follow him now. Not putting something in the place of where Jesus wants to be in our life, right? Because as a disciple, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so Jesus chose men who were willing to be used by him. Secondly, Jesus chose men. Are you ready for it? Jesus chose men who were willing to look stupid. He chose men who were willing to look stupid. Now, let's hold on. Jesus didn't set out to make the disciples look stupid, right? We should all understand that. It wasn't Jesus' goal to make disciples look stupid. But to unbelievers, our faith does look stupid. To people who don't know Jesus, who don't have faith, who haven't seen God come through in their life and be faithful, when we step out in faith, that looks stupid. That looks crazy, and oftentimes I think what stops us from stepping out in faith is the fear of well if it doesn't work out man I look dumb. If this thing doesn't work out what are people going to think of me? Or maybe even if this doesn't work out what are people going to think of God? Well guys that's that's not on us. If God asks us to step out in faith, he's not worried about his reputation. He's worried about your faith and if you trust him or not. See, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So in other words, to the people in your life who don't know Jesus, yeah, there's gonna be times where you look like a fool. The disciples choosing to leave their lives behind and following Jesus with no promise of financial security in the future probably look stupid to some of their friends. It says that these men literally dropped their nets, left their boat, and they immediately followed Jesus. That's a step of faith. Leaving a well-paying job to follow a man who was calling himself the son of God probably looked stupid to some of their family. And these were just the first steps of faith that they took. (laughs) Because when we give our life to Jesus, that's just the first step. There were other opportunities along the way for them to look stupid. How about when Jesus told them to feed about 8,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish? That was all that they had. They looked out at the crowd. Jesus told them, hey, go out and see if someone, you know, like packed a lunch. See if they're willing to, to be generous and give some. And all they came up with was five loaves of bread and two fish. So the disciples looked at Jesus and were like, this ain't going to cut it, Right? Like, you're looking out at the crowd, there's some 8,000 people, this is not going to be enough. But Jesus divided up the bread, he blessed it, he prayed, and then he told them to go out and start handing out the food. Can you imagine? Put yourself in one of their shoes doing that. Like, Jesus, these people are hangry. At this point, they've been sitting, they've been learning, they've been listening. Some of them have kids that are there. You better believe those kids are going nuts because they're ready for food. And you want me to go out there with half a loaf of bread, a quarter of fish, and start passing it out. And what am I going to say to the fourth person when I run out of food? That's where my mind would be going. But they, after being with Jesus, learning from Jesus, seeing what he did, hearing from him, they trusted him. Did they still have some doubt? Probably. But they trusted him and stepped out in faith and did it anyways. And their faith got them not only through all of the some 8,000 people, but they had baskets Of food left over. Baskets. Now imagine being in that position and how much praise you would be giving Jesus and like your mind just blown of Jesus. How did you do that? But they had to be willing to look stupid first. And because they chose to trust Him and take that step, they saw great things and they started the church. Of Christianity after Jesus ascended back to heaven. But it was all because they were willing to be used by him and they were willing to look a little stupid. So go ahead and stand with me. See, Jesus extended an invitation to the disciples. He called them by saying, Follow me. Now this back then would have been a little unusual because usually how it went with rabbis and disciples is that the disciples would choose the teacher that they wanted to follow. And they would approach the rabbi and say, I would like to to learn under you and teach from you. But in this scenario, Jesus called out to the disciples and said, follow me. And guys, he offers us the same call he offers all of us the call to follow him to surrender to learn from him to live for him and in John 138 we see two disciples who start following Jesus and he turns and he asks them a very simple but profound question he turns to them and he says what are you seeking what are you seeking and that's the same question that he's asking each one of us. Are you seeking my blessings? Are you seeking a title or a position? Are you seeking a following or influence? Are you seeking just a spouse? Like, man, if I, if I look good, then maybe the person that I, that I want to marry will actually want to marry me. Or are you seeking me? See, in our pursuit of Jesus, we always want him to be our motivation. We want him to be the one that we're pursuing. We want him to be the one that we're surrendering our lives to. And we want him to be the one that we're turning to when we need help. The one that we turn to when we don't know what to do. And I want him to be the one telling me, hey, go out and do this. See what I can do. See what I want to do through you. So if everyone could close your eyes in here. If you're in here tonight and you've never given your life to God. You've never said, God, I I need you. I want you in my life. I want to live for you. The Bible says that all we need to do in order to have relationship with God, in order to have salvation and to walk with him, is to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, as we do this, as we give God our life, he's going to come in and he's going to begin to speak to us. He's going to begin to work on us. He'll begin to push us out of our comfort zone and give us steps of faith to take. And he will bring joy and he will bring peace. But life isn't just always going to be easy after this moment. And you see that from what we're talking about with the disciples. Because they laid it all down. They laid everything down that they had, including themselves. And... If you look at the disciples, many of them were actually killed for preaching the name of Jesus. So they quite literally laid their life on the line. But when we have relationship with Him, He carries the burden. He gives us direction. He tells us the way to go. He gives us peace and he gives us purpose. And we are, we are a people that are so longing to have purpose. And each one of you have so much value and purpose. So if this is you tonight and you want to start that relationship with Jesus, you want to give him your life, we're going to say a prayer together. Everyone's going to say it with you. We're going to say it one line at a time, and I just want you to say this from the bottom of your heart. Repeat after me. Say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me. Forgive me for all I've done wrong. You call it sin. I choose you tonight. You are my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Keep your eyes closed. Just a few more seconds. Now, if that was you tonight saying that for the first time, giving God your life, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want you to shoot your hand up. I want to see who you are and know who you are so that I can celebrate with you for making this decision. But I also want to pray for you. So if that was you on the count of three, just shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All right, you can put your hands down. Would you just lift up your hands with us as we pray over two people making a decision to follow Jesus tonight. God, we just give you all the praise. We give you all of the glory. And God, we thank you for touching hearts tonight. We thank you for for preparing their hearts to receive you. We thank you for knowing who they are, not just their name, but you know their story. You know where they came from. You know where they're going. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you begin to speak to them. Begin to tell them what their purpose is, who you've made them to be, who you've called them to be. God, you've put desires in their heart, and I just pray that that you would begin to reveal those to them. Show them the desires that you've put in them and how you want to use them. God, I also just pray protection over them, that as they leave this place, that this decision would be sealed on their heart. God, protect them from lies of the enemy that are going to come and try and tell them that this didn't happen, that are going to tell them that they're not good enough, that God could never love them. No, they are a son or they are a daughter of you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And that can't be taken from them. And they are now living in new life. If that was you, you're living in new life. You are a new creation. Everything previously is washed away. God will not bring it back up. He will not smother it in your face and say, I can't believe you did that. No, it's washed away. Not to be returned. God, I thank you for, for being our Savior. And being a friend that we, we could never experience here on earth. A friend that will never leave us. Holy Spirit, fill them with your peace, fill them with your joy, and fill them with your truth right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, praise God. Two people. Thank you, God. All right, the worship team is going to come, and we'll sing one last song. As we're singing this song, if there's anything that you need prayer for, we'll have leaders, we'll have students down here ready to pray with you. Come and let them pray with you. Let us be that encouragement. Let us come alongside you and lift these things up to God and prayer with you. If you want to see God move, come to the altar. This is where you see it happen. Prayer is powerful as it is working. So if that's you, go ahead and make your way on to the, down to the front. Thanks for tuning in to the Wild Youth Podcast. If you like what you heard, follow us on our socials at thewildyth. or or come in person on Wednesdays from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Stay wild, fam.